Welcome to 1869, the Cornell University Press Podcast. I'm Jonathan Hall. This episode, we speak with Graham Reynolds, co-author of the new book, Boas of the West Indies, Evolution, Natural History, and Conservation. Graham's co-authors of the new book are Robert W. Henderson, Luis M. Diaz, Tomas M. Rodriguez Cabrera, and Alberto Puente Rolón. Graham Reynolds is Associate Professor of Biology at the University of North Carolina, Asheville, an associate at the Museum of Comparative Zoology at Harvard University, and a National Geographic Explorer. He is co-editor of The Amphibians of Tennessee and The Reptiles of Tennessee. You can follow him on Twitter at Caribbean Boas. We spoke to Graham about how he and his fellow researchers and co-authors have helped to significantly increase the level of knowledge and understanding of the biology of boas in the West Indies, how they hope their new book will draw new researchers into the field, and we'll hear from Graham some interesting behind-the-scenes stories during his time studying boas. Hello, Graham. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. Well, we're excited to talk about your new book that you're a co-author of, Boas of the West Indies, Evolution, Natural History, and Conservation. What inspired you and your co-authors to write this book? Well, uh, this has been a long-time project. This is a group of animals that, that a number of us, sort of a small group of people, have worked on for many years. And, you know, many of these boas, we, we haven't known that much about them, especially about their biology, their distribution, all, that, all of that kind of thing. And an attempt was made in the 1990s to summarize sort of the state of the knowledge of what we knew. And that, that was a book by one of my co-authors, Robert Henderson, as well as Peter Tolson. And so they, in 1993, published a book sort of outlining what we knew about these boas. And, and one of the remarkable things when you look back is, you know, the book was only about 125 pages. And so I think that that sort of illustrates how little we knew about many of these animals at the time. Not that long ago, of course, but... Uh, since that time, a number of us have started to work on these boas, and we have generated a whole lot more information. And we sort of around 2015, Alberto and I started talking about, wouldn't it be nice if we could sort of revisit this and, and sort of produce a synthesis of, of the current state of the knowledge of boas in the, in the region. And we said, yeah, we should, we should absolutely do that. So we brought in Bob Henderson, we brought in Louise, and we brought in Tomas uh, to sort of round out the expertise. And it's been about four years working on this, and it has been a great project. And I think, you know, the, the product sort of speaks for itself in terms of how much we know about the boas now versus 20, 30 years ago. There's been a tremendous amount of work. And I think there's also uh, plenty of illustration of how little we know about some of them. So there's still lots and lots of room to study these these animals. So, Wow, that's fantastic. I mean, that's it's amazing that the the book that you mentioned that came out first was around what was it, what was the page count 100 and yeah 125 pages about okay yeah. so now we have 288 pages with your right. book 122 <laughs> color photos a much uh, larger in depth look at the at these animals and so no other book out there has treated this group of animals with such depth and you've you've collated and assessed hundreds of published works before that you you had said this this took a while. How do you hope that this more in-depth treatment will draw new researchers into the field? Yeah, yeah, thanks. So we, you know, having, having Bob Henderson as a part of this project has been a really important aspect. Bob, Bob holds such a wealth of knowledge about these animals. And 
his involvement in that original book from 1993 allowed us to really build off of that strong framework. And so we had that base from which, from which to go on. Um, and then Bob and I collaborated in 2018 on a, uh, a sort of long length manuscript that we called Boas of the World, in which we tried to organize much of the literature about boas globally. And that's 67, 68 species globally and, and among all the boas. And so that also provided another, you know, sort of base from which we could build out this book. And Bob and I, we decided early on that we really wanted this book to include a lot of scholarly reference. And so for that reason, we've tried to include an extensive reference list, not just a few select ones, but, but everything from you know, books and large manuscripts down, right down to natural history notes that have been published and gray literature and that sort of thing. And, and we cite many of those parenthetically in the text to provide this sort of clear reference material and, and that's one of the main goals we thought was that this book could not only be used to introduce these animals to a broader group of people, but also to provide a uh, scholarly reference from which to build. And so I think that that's sort of what we are, we are hoping for this project is that it, it not only helps out those of us who are working in the field at the moment, but perhaps inspires others who are studying similar types of radiations of these of animals, you know, vertebrates on islands to think about what are the kinds of questions that are being asked and answered in the boas and how might that apply to other groups as well. And I think that both of us really hope that this book gets more people interested in studying boas. Um, the, the boas in the Caribbean, you know, I, I think one of the reasons they were understudied for so long is because people perceived them to be hard to find. And so it's hard to justify doing say a PhD dissertation on a group of animals that you're not sure you can find enough to, to make it worth your while. Well. Of course, we've managed to show that that's not the case at all. And in fact, once you get to know these animals, you can actually find plenty of them and um, they can provide a really good basis for, for study. So I, I hope that the book sort of inspires many others to, to come into this field and, and work on these boas, especially people in the West Indies, you know, that these animals are in the backyard and um, they're just waiting to be, to be studied, so. That's great. That's great. Now you're you're calling. We're we're talking via Zoom, but but you're actually in the field right now. You had mentioned that that these boas had a had a reputation of being hard to find, but you're saying actually that's not the case at all. How right. do you find these boas, and, and what's a typical day of field research for you? Right. So um, I'm yeah. So I'm it's it's about ten in the morning here, and I'm coming off of you know maybe twelve hours of boa work. So what we do is we so I'm in the Turks and Caicos Islands, and this is one of my term field sites and been studying boas here for almost 17 years. Um, on this particular island, I've captured over 2,000 boas in that time period. And um, so there are, there are plenty here. So we go out at night, uh, we look for the animals with headlamps and, you know, on a typical night on this island, we can find between 12 and 50 boas in just a few hours, which is quite remarkable. So there are populations that are incredibly dense. Um, so we bring those animals back to the field lab, and then first thing in the morning, we get to processing them. So we take all our data, our measurements, our DNA samples, all of that, and then we'll take the animals right back out into the field and release them. So it's a, um, you know, it's a daily cycle, but it's inverted because most of the work is at night. Wow. Wow. So, so, so you've been working for 12 hours, so, so you basically are a night owl. Yes. Yeah. Yes, when we're in the field, yep. And so how do, how, how do you find them? Are, are, do you, are there just natural park areas that you go to to find them or where are they generally found? 
Yeah, I think that's probably one of the more challenging things when we go to start work on a new island is to sort of figure out what the right habitat is for any given species. So that, that can take a little bit of sleuthing. Um, but in general, you know, it's, it's very species dependent. So here in the Turks and Caicos, these boas can occur in a variety of different habitats, everything from tropical dry forests to um, very barren scrub um, rockland. And so, you know, this archipelago has a variety of habitats. And so each island, the boas seem to prefer slightly different habitats. So here on this particular island, we're, we're out looking among the rocks at night, um, shining headlamps and looking for something that stands out. You know, it's, it's, it's something that I teach my students is we're not out looking for a snake when you're starting to get the search image, you're not looking for a snake. You're looking for something that doesn't look right in the environment, right? Something that's a little too linear, or a pattern that's different. And then that helps you clue in that there's a snake there because you know the snakes aren't just laying out wide open. You're looking for, um, for something that's just a miss. And I think that that's something that uh, actually Daniel Boone <laughs> wrote about um, when he was you know, uh, talking about his hunting and trapping. So yeah, you're looking for something that seems out of place. Interesting, I like that, I like that. So tell, tell us some interesting, interesting things about these boas. Yeah, so they, I think one of the most interesting things is that they occur on a variety of islands throughout the West Indies. And there's one genus that has the most species in the region, and that's the genus is Chylobothrus. And there's 14 species in that genus. And of those 14 species, there is a huge range of body sizes. So the Cuban boa can reach over five meters in length. And that's a truly giant, even for a boa, that's enormous. <laughs> um, and then some of the species barely reach half a meter in length. Oh, wow. And of course, the difference in mass is orders of magnitude. So we're talking about, you know, members of the same genus that are you know, more or less closely related within the last 10, 20 million years, um, but they are wildly different. And because of those different body sizes, their ecology and natural history is completely different. And so that in and of itself is interesting that these animals arrive to these islands and they radiate it into these 14 species and the outcomes have been gigantism and dwarfism and everything in between. And so that, that's, it's, that's interesting. And then the other pattern that we see is some islands like Hispaniola have multiple species. And when you find islands that have multiple species, you almost always find one large species that's what we call a generalist. So a species that lives in a variety of habitats, eats a variety of things, is a relatively large body size. And then you find one or more specialist species, which tend to be very small, arboreal, and specialized on feeding on lizards and frogs. So these are two very different outcomes. And so one of the things that we discovered in, in this research is that it's not the case that all the small boas in the West Indies are closely related. And it's not the case that all the big boas are closely related. In fact, when the ancestors get to these islands, they evolve into big boas and small boas, and they share a common ancestor. And that process has happened over and over and over again. So it's this idea that evolution is deterministic, that there are patterns that can be predicted for these kinds of outcomes when, when an ancestor colonizes an island that's of sufficient size, like Hispaniola. You, you could actually predict that you would get the evolution of a large generalist, a small specialist, one or more. And so that, that sort of seeing that sort of pattern in the evolutionary process is very exciting for us. Wow, that's amazing. So you're talking about a, like a colonizing species. What, what time frame are we talking about? You were talking about 10, 20 million years. Is that, yes. is that the time, time frame? Yeah, so, so the origin of these animals colonizing the West Indies is probably in the, in the neighborhood of 20 million years. So that's during the Miocene. 
And then these radiations that are happening are probably taking place over about five to seven million years. So these are still fairly large chunks of time, um, but you know, the outcomes are pretty, pretty spectacular. Um, the other thing that we see is we, we can use the DNA to reconstruct all of this, by the way, that's how, we're, that's how we're understanding this. And we can also see how the animals ancestrally have colonized different islands. So for example, there are five species of boas in the Lucayan archipelago, which is the Bahamas and Turks and Caicos. And those five species are the result of at least two independent colonizations of the region from Hispaniola. So ancestors rafted independently and you know, separated by probably 4 million years um, to these islands and then radiated into several species. So those kinds of what we call historical biogeographic reconstructions are especially fascinating. Because all of this is about, you know, really the whole goal here is to understand biodiversity, right? And so if we want to understand origins of biodiversity, the depth and breadth of biodiversity, we can leverage these kinds of tools, this knowledge about species distributions and the information stored in their DNA to be able to reconstruct, you know, what has happened? Why do we have 14 species of this genus in the West Indies? And we can begin to answer that question. And that, that's really exciting. That's amazing. That is so cool. So... You, you and your colleagues have been studying uh, these three decades, and you have mentioned that the majority of the field work is done at night. Mm -hmm. I'm sure amongst all of you, you must have some kind of crazy stories that you can share about some of the <laughs> field work that you've done. Crazy things happen at night, but do you have any stories you want to share? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think my, <laughs> my favorite story is um, it has to do with the discovery of the silver boa in the Bahamas. So I was working there with a team from Harvard University in 2015, and we were studying lizards. And we were going to some remote islands, and um, one of the islands on our list was Conception Island, which is a remote, uninhabited national park. And so, you know, being uh, herpetologists, we, we wanted to not only survey the lizards during the day, but we also wanted to poke around a little bit at night. Um, and no biologist had surveyed this island at night, as far as we are aware. And Almost as soon as the sun set, we discovered a boa out there. Um, my, my colleague, Nick Herman, found the first one and radioed it in. And, you know, there weren't supposed to be any snakes out there, right? And, and here was this boa. So that was really exciting. So that night we found five boas, five boas initially. And um, we were, you know, thrilled to get these data. So we, we laid down on the beach to sleep for about an hour or two before dawn when the boa was coming back to get us. And um, I woke up with a start because I felt something crawling across my face as I was sleeping just out on the sand. And I reached up and picked it up and it was an adult female boa that had crawled down from the forest across the beach and on top of my head while I was sleeping. <laughs> so I, I just picked it up and I, I put it in one of the, the bags that we use to store the animals and I actually laid down and went back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I got up at dawn and I woke the other guys and I said, look, we've got one more to process. This one came out and found us in the night. So <laughs> I've never heard of that happening to anybody else. But. Wow. A very curious boa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, another anecdote would be we were writing the book and we were mostly finished with the initial manuscript. And we were recognizing 13 species in this genus Calabocus. And then we get an email from our collaborator, um, Miguel Landestoy in, in the Dominican Republic. And he says, hey, Bob and Graham, I 
think I'm seeing a boa that doesn't look right down here. Can you guys verify this? Send us a picture. And Bob and I went, whoa, that doesn't look like anything we've seen before. So we managed to get export permits. We got some DNA samples. Um, in my lab, we ran the samples against our database of other boas. Lo and behold, it was a brand new species, a 14th boa species discovered during you know, the wrap-up phase of this book. So we had to go ahead and write a new account for that new species, and that was thrilling. And that's the species that's now on the cover of the book. And that, that's something that I thought was really, really great. That's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah. It's amazing to hear, as you were saying, you know, the, the, the wealth of knowledge that you guys are bringing to the table is it, is it, for the most part, relatively new? I mean, you're saying that the first book on these species in 1993, and then you guys are bringing in new information, including a new species. Where do you, where do you see, you know, is, uh, you know, 10, 20 years from now, would you think there will be new species on top of the ones that you've discovered? And, and like, where, where do you see things going? Yeah, well, you know, who knows what's out there, right? I mean, I think we still have plenty of work left to do to explore this region. You, you think about the West Indies, the Caribbean as being, you know, fairly well known. I mean, they're the island where we discovered the silver boa. There's cruise ships that go right by it, you know, almost on a weekly basis. Um, and so, yes, these islands are, some of them are remote, but, um, you know, with some proper nocturnal survey, you never know what you'll turn up. And uh, so, you know, that's been part of the excitement. I mean, when we, when I first started studying these boas um, in that genus, there were only, I think, eight recognized species, and now we're up to 14. So, you know, that's all been within the last less than two decades. So, yeah, I think the pace could continue, perhaps. So we might continue to find some new species out there. I think that's exciting. But really, the, the big gap that we're seeing now is, you know, with these new species, and even with some that we've known for a while, um, in writing the book, we realized how little we actually knew about them. And so I'm hoping that, you know, more people will become interested in these animals and will help us round out some of that missing knowledge that we have. Where do they occur? What do they eat? Where do they live? What are their population sizes like? What's their conservation status? These are all important questions that we really want to get better data on. And so that's going to be, that's really the next phase is to go systematically through these groups and try to, try to generate those kinds of data, hopefully before it's too late. You know, some of these are highly endangered. The silver bow is critically endangered. There's fewer than 200 adults alive today in the wild. And so that's right on the razor's edge. And so um, if we can generate these data quickly enough, then perhaps we can intervene. That's great. That's great. Well, I mean, you, you, you guys have, have done all this hard work. You're clearly loving it, too, at the same time. Oh, yeah. uh, I think that this book not only is a testament to your hard work, but as, as we were discussing earlier, it's going to open up whole new doors for, for new researchers coming into the field that, that their excitement will, will come forward and you'll have much, many more people studying these animals and, and gathering more data. And I think that's fantastic. So I want to congratulate you and your team for this, this amazing book. And, and uh, we're very proud to be publishing Boas of the West Indies, Evolution, Natural History and Conservation. Thank you so much, Graham. It was a pleasure talking with you. Thank you. Thanks a bunch. Appreciate it, John. That was Graham Reynolds, co-author of the new book, Boas of the West Indies, Evolution, Natural History, and Conservation. If you'd like to purchase the new book, use the promo code 09POD to save 30% on our website at cornellpress.cornell.edu. If you live in the UK, use the discount code CSAnnounce and visit the website combinedacademic.co.uk. 
Thank you for listening to 1869, the Cornell University Press Podcast.